So please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> We're going to go through the first 13 verses of this chapter. Um, what we see here is the spirit of grace given. Um, he who was promised, uh, we now see, is being given um, to the disciples and apostles of Jesus Christ. Uh, which is a wonderful thing. We see the, the word of God come about. Uh, he is true to his word. It had been uh, told to the disciples that this was indeed what was going to happen. And so we see uh, what, uh, what came about, what came about as uh, in, in consequence to uh, the spirit of God given uh, to the church. And so the spirit of grace given is the title of this morning's message. And uh, so let's start by reading. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Hmm. Oh, Father, we are certainly thankful that that you are faithful. You are faithful to your your word. Lord, you bring about what you've said. You, You mean what you said and said what you mean. And Lord, we can count on your word. Your promises are our yes and amen. And Lord, this is simply a fulfillment of what you had declared. And you told your disciples and the apostles to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit that would empower them to be witnesses of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we We have this fulfillment here in this chapter. And we begin to see the work as it begins in Jerusalem. And see immediately the impact that it is having on all those around. Lord, you waste no time. Lord, for vessels that are willing to be used by you, you waste no time. You simply empower and send. And as you send, you give us the ability to do that which you put before us to accomplish. Thank you for that. 
I just ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. Encourage us as your church to desire the very same thing, for the Holy Spirit is worth waiting for. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I pray that we would desire in our own lives. That we would glorify you by also being witnesses of Jesus Christ to our own Jerusalem. And so, Lord, we commit this time into your hands. We ask your blessing on this time, time of teaching. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we learned about the writer of the book of Acts. He was Luke, the physician. He was a Gentile and he was a loyal companion of the Apostle Paul. And we also learned about the intended recipient, Theophilus, which means lover of God. The book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts we know of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's the, as we see here, the, the, really the fulfillment of Acts 1.8, which says... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we see the whole book of Acts as being a fulfillment of that one verse. As the the Lord had promised the helper, the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. And indeed, he has come. He moves and leads the disciples and the fulfillment of that verse. And when they received the power of the Holy Spirit would be Jesus' witness, witnesses indeed in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria as, as they go out into the ends of the earth. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And also in John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world was judged and is judged. When Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He meant that he, God, would indwell them, us, by means of the Holy Spirit, and would be with them as he is with us forever. So when Jesus gave the command to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit, it was with full knowledge of why. That was the power to testify of Christ to all peoples. Why they were waiting for the Holy Spirit And for whom, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is what they were waiting. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 24, verses 47 through 49 says, And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So now 
with that in mind, as we go into chapter 2 of the book of Acts, we see how God's word is true to what Jesus had promised by evidence of what takes place some 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, 10 days after Jesus ascended while the apostles and disciples were waiting together in one place, having devoted themselves to not only gathering themselves together, but also prayer. Last week we saw the promise, power, and proof of the Holy Spirit. And today we will see the fulfillment of Jesus' promise as the Spirit comes upon the apostles and the disciples of Jesus Christ. And they were empowered to tell of the mighty works of God and testify of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who was crucified, his death, burial, and resurrection. This chapter is broken down, down into three major sections, the first of which we're going to cover this morning, and that is the arrival and filling of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll deal with Peter's sermon and also perhaps the fellowship of the Christians, which is Acts 2, 42 through 47. And so that's how it's broken down. So let's start out with the arrival and filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, what we see there in verse 1 is that it was the day of Pentecost. It had arrived and they were all together in one place. Uh, the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament was the day in which for, uh, it, was, it was the day in which the first fruits of the wheat harvest was presented to God. And so it, it is also called the day of first fruits. <clears throat> Passover. Keep in mind, Passover was just seven weeks earlier. Just seven weeks. Began with a presentation of the, not the wheat harvest, but the barley harvest. And concluded with the presentation of the wheat harvest. In our calendar year, the time of the, of the year would be about May or June. This year, uh, Pentecost falls on May 31st. So May th- 31st, the year 2020, is the day of Pentecost. Now, in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 through 17, it says, You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. Uh, Keep in mind the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread. Keep that in mind. To be waved, made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. Something important to note here and keep in mind is that it was on the day of Pentecost that two loaves of bread were to be presented as a wave offering to the Lord. And they were both regarded as first fruits, both the barley and the wheat. So these, these two breads, loaves of bread, if you can imagine, were away before the Lord, and, and they were they served as an offering of first fruits to the Lord, of barley and of wheat. Think about that for the, for a moment as we read what we did and who it was that heard the mighty works of God declared to them in their own languages. There were people from all nations. Remember what. The Great Commission is. Remember what they were waiting for as it was commanded to them in Acts 1.8. To wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. To all. Not only to those in Jerusalem. 
but to the ends of the earth. And keep in mind that it was declared to all nations. Because from the very beginning we see how God's covenant with Abraham is being fulfilled. In Genesis chapter 12 verse 3 it says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, King David, and all the way through to Joseph and Mary, the the seed by which all nations would be blessed was brought forth. That God would provide a sacrifice for himself is what he promised, whose shed blood would suffice to justify all who come to faith in Christ. And so here with the disciples gathered together in one place in Jerusalem, just as Jesus had commanded them, waiting for the coming of the promised spirit uh, on the day of Pentecost. He didn't say the day of Pentecost. He just said, wait, right? For them, it was, it was probably 10 long days, 10 long days. How long will it be? Well, he didn't tell him. He just said, wait. And the Holy Spirit was worth waiting for. And we know that God's promises are yes and amen. Sometimes we're waiting for something good and we grow weary, don't we? We we grow anxious. Why not now, Lord? Deliver me from this. And he says, no, not yet. I'm still doing a work in the midst of what you're experiencing. Pay attention to me, please. Pay attention to me. Hope in me. Wait. I'm still with you. I haven't left you. But what's coming is just worth waiting for. But also know that in the waiting, he's doing a work. He was doing a work in those 10 days that they were waiting. Number one, they were obedient. Number two, their gathering glorified the Lord as they came together with one mind, one heart. They were unified in love, in one, Jesus Christ. And they gave themselves to praying. That's what they devoted themselves to. That blessed the Lord. The Lord was doing a work in them, even up to the point when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were coming to the day of Pentecost, the day when the wave offering was observed, when all of a sudden something amazing happened. The Holy Spirit came from heaven. And it says here that he came like a rushing wind, filling the place they were waiting, and the Holy Spirit rested on each one of them, looking like tongues of fire just imagine that if the lord would have told us just 10 days ago go and wait for me go wait for me at refuge just go wait wait for the promise of the holy spirit and we're, we're sitting here and we're just worshiping the lord we're praising god we're 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 singing we're sharing God's word. We're, we're even talking about our anticipation. We're just, we're just kind of just like little kids, just, just waiting for the gift. The gift is coming. The gift is coming. The gift is coming. Ray, the gift is coming. Modesto, the gift is coming. He's coming. He's coming soon. Oh, let's just sing, uh, you know, of God's amazing grace and, and his beauty and his, his wondrous works. And, and, we're just, and all of a sudden, we hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. 
Think about it. Wouldn't it kind of amaze you? Yeah. We're inside, first of all. Where is that coming from? And then we see evidence of the Holy Spirit as he rests above each person like a tongue of flaming fire. You see how fire, fire flickers, you know, and it has these tongues, you know. So that's, that's the appearance. It wasn't fire, but, but it was like fire. He was like fire as he rested on each one. Oh, they were amazed. You see, the, the Holy Spirit not only filled them, but he also came upon them, fulfilling the promise of Jesus in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And he said, of where? So not only did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would be with them, but he also told them that the Holy Spirit would come upon them for the specific purpose of being his witnesses to all nations. You know, the Holy Spirit is, he's, he's given to us for no other reason but to seal us for the day of redemption, to be our helper. He also convicts us of our sins, which should lead us to repentance as we humble ourselves before a holy and righteous God. And he also empowers us to do one thing, and that is to be his witnesses. How we do that? Well, read the word. And you'll know how to do that. How it is that each and every one of us as believers are gifted with a gift that would be a benefit to the church to build the church up in love. And so each one of us, the Holy Spirit comes upon us to to do a wonderful work. But in all of that, the bottom line is to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. To bring him glory, to point others to him. And this is to all nations, to all peoples. Why? To declare that that salvation has come through Jesus Christ and salvation is offered to all. Desiring that those who hear believe and have eternal life in his name. In fact, John chapter 20 verses 30 and 31 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Really? There, there is nothing greater, number one, for the unbeliever that walks through those doors and comes into this place, that you would come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you would come to salvation. Nothing greater. I'd rather you not get all entangled in, oh, let's, let's be intellectual about the Word of God and let's see how much theology we could know and... You know, what what really is important is the bottom line is through sound doctrine. Okay, through the very word of God, that faith will come. And you will come to believe that Jesus is the son of God. Number two. That by the declaration of the word of God, that those who are his would grow in maturity in Christ. That's it. And, And that is for the express purpose of being witnesses of Jesus Christ to all. The question is, for each and every one of you, can you, you, can you truly, genuinely say that you believe? That's, that's a question. Is, is there fruit in my life, evidence of the fact that I am His? 
Because Jesus said out of his own mouth when he was here on this earth, if you love me, obey my commandments. Is there fruit of that in your life? That that's what you desire. I, I want to please my Lord. He gave me eternal life. And so by his grace, by his spirit, so I walk out his commandments in my own life. Not because I have to, but because I want to. I want to truly be that living sacrifice, doing that which pleases my King, my Lord, my Savior, my God. We learn several things in verses 2 through 4, which says once again, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We learn several things. Number one, the origin of the Holy Spirit. He sent from heaven. And suddenly there came from heaven. Could be simple, of course. Yeah, I just pointed out the obvious, right? He came from heaven, but it something that we need to consider, something that we need to really take note on. He came from heaven. He's not created by man or manipulated to appear. Somehow, if we chant enough, if we do this or that, if we we get into an experience, right, of just like really getting into like a song and lights and fog and, you know, all kinds of stuff, oh, we will feel his presence and we will see perhaps glimmering gold coming down and, in a, the, the Shekinah cloud in the corner. And I'm telling you, this is out there. And it's being taught just up north in Redding, California. Have you ever heard of Bethel? Oh, it's just, it's a lot of false teaching. None of, it's none of that. It, it's not that. We're not the ones that do it. We're not the origins. We don't build them up. Like, and then, then it's a feeling that comes and goes. It's not at all. It's when you sing songs as we have sung this morning. And you're reminded of how amazing God truly is. And how the Holy Spirit indwells you. That just that understanding, that realization, that could move you. Like it moved me. That last song, Ray, um, thanks for making me cry that last song. I would say Ray, but it wasn't Ray. He just, they just simply sung the song. But it's a reminder of how good God is and the Holy Spirit whom indwells me and seals me for the day of redemption. And sometimes I just I get overwhelmed. But it, it's not the experience of what we build up. It's a realization of the truth of God's word, the promise, God's grace. He's not created by man or manipulated to appear but sent by God to those who believe in the Son of God. We also see the Holy Spirit comes in a moment, and suddenly. Remember, Jesus didn't tell him, he'll come uh, on this day and at this time, so be ready for him. (laughs) He, He just came in a moment, and suddenly, there he was. There is no long process to receiving the Holy Spirit. He rushes in and comes upon suddenly. I love that. Because oftentimes, you know, with that, we, we may not feel any different, but I'm telling you, 
as the Lord empowers you, others around you will see a difference in you. You yourself will will know that there is something different. Why? Because you have a desire for the things of God. You have a desire for his word. All of a sudden, you start understanding the word as the Holy Spirit gives you understanding. There's some things that happen, but, but it's in a moment. It's suddenly. We also see that the Holy Spirit comes with great power. You see, these were all normal men who knew not these other tongues. But God, but God demonstrated his power through their weakness physically. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The appearance of the Holy Spirit came upon them, coming upon them was like tongues of fire. A picture of purification. So that when the Holy Spirit comes, it is not just for empowering the believer, but also to do the works of sanctification, which is purifying the believer. Building us up. Sanctification is the life, or is, is the work of a lifetime. Salvation is the, the miracle of a moment, as Ellen, Ellen Redpath said. But sanctification, oh, it's, it's the work of a lifetime. The word rested is interesting here, and it's something that we need to understand. It says that when the Spirit came in verse 3, and, it, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. It rested on each one of them. This word rested gives the idea that there came a complete preparation and there was a permanent position that the Holy Spirit took in the lives of the believers. So it wasn't just something temporary. Like the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and empower them to do uh, something, uh, an individual, and, and then he'd depart. Um, he was given to Saul. He was taken away. You know, and here we see the permanence as the Holy Spirit came and rested, took residence in the believer. It's beautiful. But there also came with the Spirit a complete preparation. Interesting. Everything that we need has been given to us. All we need to do is continually ask. Ask and seek the Lord. Spend time with the Lord in His Word. Continue to grow. Be students of the Word of God. For everything has been given to you. All you need to do is go through and realize that it has been given to you through the word of God, and by his spirit. So this residency, you know, the Holy Spirit wasn't going anywhere. He took residency in them and upon them, and it was forever. It was eternal. The spirit did indeed come from heaven in a moment, coming like a mighty rushing wind, and came upon them for the specific purpose of empowering them to be Christ's witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is uh, what is about to happen. We're going to see it happen. Right here. I remember being in Jerusalem at the beginning of last year and realizing that we were walking in the very places where these things took place. It was just surreal. It was just amazing to me to see where, where King David lived. Old Jerusalem, where Solomon's temple was. The streets that Jesus walked, Mount of Olives, Bethany, Kidron Valley, all of that was amazing to me. 
But it was in that very place in Jerusalem that we see this taking place. That this mighty rushing wind came and, it came, and, the, and the Holy Spirit came upon them for the specific purpose of empowering them to not only be witnesses of Jesus Christ there in Jerusalem, but to take it beyond. And indeed, we're going to see it happen. How? By the supernatural ability that the Spirit gave them. That here specifically, to speak in languages they were never taught. Imagine that for a moment. Imagine that for a moment. Les voy a hablar de la gloria de Dios. De la gracia de Dios. De la misericordia de Dios. De la paz de Dios. Que solamente puede venir por medio de Jesucristo nuestro Señor. Did you understand that? Yeah, a little bit? All right. I already knew that language, so can't say that that was supernatural. But can you imagine if you had a group of us gathered together and, and we hadn't learned? We don't know. I, I started talking German. You know, someone else, Russian, and another person, Haitian Creole. You know, all, all these different languages. Like, oh boy, <laughs> you've never learned that. What? How are you doing that? By empowering the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's how. That's what was happening here. There's a story of, uh, of Mike and Philip McIntosh, Horizon San Diego. And, um, and, and I remember, I, I will never forget this story. And this reminds me of what took place here. Because they were in the Philippines and, and they were on a, a missionary uh, trip and they went to the Philippines and, and so um, there was uh, the person who was going to evangelize, she was going to give the gospel and he was there, he only spoke English and um, so they were there and, uh, and Philip was there and so was Mike, but the translator wasn't there, he didn't show up, he was somewhere but they didn't know where, he just wasn't there, there was no, there was no one else to translate. And so they thought, you know what, um, go ahead and give the gospel, and who knows what will happen. All right? So um, the, the language that's spoken is Tagalog, right? In the Philippines. So this man went up there, and he started giving the gospel. And he went, and then he, he gave the invitation. There were a lot of people that came forward, and he thought, that's, that's odd, you know? That's, that's odd that so many people have come. Maybe they, I guess they all know English. And here I was looking for the translator to translate in their language. And, and I, I didn't really even need them. They all, I mean, there was just, just a, a beautiful response to the presentation of the gospel. And many people came to faith. And so he got down from the platform. And, uh, and, then, and then guess who showed up? Yeah, the translator. He showed up. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And something happened to where he got tied up and wasn't able to show up on time. And so he was trying to make it there. He just couldn't make it there. Something was holding him back. And so he said, well, well, did you already present the gospel? He says, yeah, I did. And many, they, they already knew English. And they came forward and, and they received Christ. And he said, really? He said, that's interesting. And he started speaking to some of the people in Tagalog. And, and so they started speaking and going back and forth. And he came back to him and he said, can I tell you something? None of these people know English. 
You've got to be kidding me. They, they all responded. They came forward. They said you spoke perfect Tagalog. Like, you can't, what? Yeah, they said you spoke in their language. They were wondering, hey, this white boy from America comes over to the Philippines and, and is speaking perfect Tagalog. And, uh, and, and many came to, I, I get goosebumps every time I, I remember that story. Because there was a translator there, and it wasn't a man. It was, it was the Holy Spirit that was translating the word and giving him utterance. That was pretty amazing to me. That was, that was amazing. Something that just brings glory to the Lord. That was an example of a divine translator. But, but here we have evidence of a personal divine empowerment to actually speak the other language, knowing that that's what you're doing. As the Spirit gave them utterance, so they spoke. In verses 5 through 11, the disciples then turned around and were disciple, the disciples. They were all witnesses to all nations. Verse 5 says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? The disciples and apostles, again, were all in Jerusalem. And because of the celebration of the Feast of Weeks, many people from all over had traveled to Jerusalem to observe this festival. And because it was in May and June, that's perfect weather, isn't it? Uh, in, 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 uh, in Israel, it's much like our weather. And so May and June, very pleasant. Oh, let's go. So many people. That was, that was a festival that would attract most people to Jerusalem. And thousands of, tens of thousands of people were in the city. And at the sound of the mighty rushing wind, people were drawn to where the disciples and apostles were. And they were perplexed. Uh, they, were, they were somewhat confused as to what was going on, what they had come to experience and at the sound of, uh, of the rushing wind and what was taking place, every man was hearing the disciples in their own language, and they were all amazed. It says here that they were amazed, astonished, and they were perplexed, kind of confused. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 26 through 29 says this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. Uh, Galileans. That was, this is them right here. And, And us, by the way. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Um, These Galileans were not ones that would be allowed to boast in themselves, for they were no one to boast in. You see, the people of Galilee were known as people who couldn't even speak very well. 
They couldn't make uh, certain sounds, throaty sounds. Uh, they couldn't pronounce words correctly. And their pronunciation, pronunciate, pronunciation of words was difficult to understand for anyone outside their own. They were looked down upon as people who were, quote unquote, they were country folk. They're country folk living outside the city. So they were despised. They were looked down upon. You're from the country. So, of course, they were all astonished. They were amazed and bewildered. What? How? These? Right? Yes. As the Spirit gave them utterance, so they spoke. They were simply willing vessels used by God to speak of the mighty works of God. Many commentators believe that the blessing of Pentecost was a deliberate and dramatic reversal of the curse of Babel. Our God confused the languages, and so he, he made them disperse throughout the whole earth. Just in case you're wondering how many languages the disciples spoke, it was at least 15. 15. What were they saying? They were declaring the praises of God and thanking him with all of their might. That's what they were doing. These people that were gathered were simply overhearing them do this in their own language, and they were amazed. They were perplexed at the same time. At the time, we know some of the people were thinking that this had a deeper meaning. They were, they were wondering. Some of them uh, even asked. They said, um, <clears throat> and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Does this, does this have any, any meaning? Well, yes. It absolutely has meaning. Everything that God does has meaning. At the same time, there, was, there were others attempting to explain why this was taking place. You know what their response was? And they simply assumed this. This is what they perceived somehow, some way. It was 9 o'clock in the morning, by the way. They said, oh, they're, they're drunk. Well, I've heard people speak in other tongues when they are drunk, but it's not in intelligible words in any language. So obviously they were, they were mocking. They were mocking. Please notice who was included in the crowd. Let me take you back up to verse 5. It says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Devout men. Which means these were the same people who had gathered together at the Passover 50 days earlier and demanded that Jesus be executed by being crucified by Pontius Pilate. Same people. They mock God then, and some are mocking him on this day. Let me tell you, there will always be those who, no matter what evidence they are presented with, they will dismiss the truth in whatever way they please. And they even mock God. They even mock God. Now, God... God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But not all come to faith. Nonetheless, we are to do the work of an evangelist. We are to declare the grace of God. We are to tell the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, right? There are still those today 
that don't dismiss you, but they dismiss Jesus as the Son of God. Now, we know that Peter is about to explain what's going on. For those that said, you know, what does this mean? Well, they will receive an explanation to all of this. And we'll learn about that next week. But for now, we'll conclude with a few notes with what we just went over. <clears throat> now, we'll, we'll finish out and then, and then I'll, I'll share some words here because we know that, that um, they were bewildered, as it says in verse, thing, uh, in verse 6, because each one was hearing them in, speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts, the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the, the mighty works of God and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Now, this is from basically from northern um, Africa all the way up to Italy. If you can imagine Turkey, um, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, like all of those people from all of those places had, had come and they had heard of all of this. You know, uh, um, Arabians are basically people who can uh, trace their, their ancestry back to the Arabian Peninsula, which we know today to be Saudi Arabia. It's also known as as a, a subcontinent of, of Asia, southern part. Uh, people from all of these uh, places, even the island of Crete, Cretans, they, they said in these days, Cretans are liars. And, uh, and they had a bad reputation, and yet they were also in this mix, and they were hearing what they were saying. All of this was taking place. Now, the disciples were in one place. I want, I want to put this before you. As we conclude. This is what we have here. The disciples were in one place. Geographically. I hear sometimes that uh, we as Christians believe that, oh, we can be good Christians and, and really be solid by ourselves, You know, or in, our, in our own home. That's a lie. Truly from the pit of hell. And I'm not saying that just to bring people into church. It's true. Because the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves. Remember what I said that Jesus said? That Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. He knows what's best. We don't. We make up all of these things. You know that God helps those who help themselves. Nah, that's not scripture. Okay? Uh, he helps those who can't help themselves. Thank God for his grace. Right? And so we are to come together. So they were together in one place geographically. In one place, gathered together with the same heart that loves God, trusts God, promises, and we're waiting together, praying and seeking the promises of God. Did I say together in the same location, physically being together? That's where they were. They were together. They weren't apart, doing their own thing. They were together. That's why it really burdens me when, when people leave and they're doing things on their own. Why do you do that? You know? You're just setting yourself up for a fall to grow weak in your faith. Why? Because you're not coming to God. I need this. I, I need this. I need you, each and every one of you. I need you to encourage me. I know I'm weak. I know. 
So I, I need you to encourage me by God's word, by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we need each other. Psalm 133, 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell in unity. That is, dwell in unity, dwell together. Unity, this word, in the original means together. Together. Not just in mind, like, yeah, yeah, we're of the same mind. No, no, no. Together. This is what's beautiful right here. Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 19 through 25 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to loving good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day drawing near. Fellowship. Together. Right here. Right here. Coming together. Often. The declaration of the gospel started in the believers as they were filled with the Holy Spirit as we saw here. And empowered by the Holy Spirit to be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth and to all nations by speaking of God's glory, his mighty works, as the Spirit gave them utterance, which is the spoken word. It, it's not just what they did, because they were doing something, but it's God's spoken word. What God desired then and now is what comes through the believer who's willing to wait on the Lord, be empowered by the Lord. And speak the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. That faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. And I'll leave you with this. In Romans chapter 10 verse 14 it says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so the church is born. Pentecost 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. The work of evangelism begins in discipleship as well. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Genuinely believe And know that you are his by the evidence of the fruits that come forth in your own life. I pray that it is seen and it is known by the body as a whole. May God draw you unto himself. May you respond accordingly. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for the love that you have for us, by the grace that you have for us. I pray, Lord, that all would respond even this morning, Lord, as we know the disciples on this day 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, they were waiting for the arrival of the Holy Spirit, and he came like a mighty rushing wind and not only filled them, but came upon them and empowered them for the work of the ministry to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I pray, Lord, that we too would come to believe in Jesus, the Son of God, that we would know salvation. And Lord, we too 
would be anticipating, Lord, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to speak to? Lord, knowing that you are the one who empowers us, gives us the words to speak at that very moment. Lord, even with the limited knowledge that we have of you, all we know is that we've been saved by grace through faith alone. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Lord, it's just all your work. So we are truly thankful for that and your grace. You simply tell us, do you believe? I pray, Lord, that 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 question would be answered within each and every one of us genuinely. If there's any sin, that we would repent of that, confessing it to you. And Lord, come to you with our whole hearts. Thank you for your love, your grace. Lord, it's truly wonderful.